0: In today's Voyager Ungraded episode, we're gonna be sitting down with Tim Butner, longtime friend of the channel and podcast contributor. And we're gonna be talking about NAB 2023, which is coming up in just over a week from when we recorded this podcast. I'm gonna be there covering some of the events and some of the new things that are coming out. But in this podcast, we're gonna be talking about some of the things we know are coming out and some of the things we think may come out and certain predictions we have on black magic, red, and other companies. So stay tuned. Welcome back to another Voyager ungraded podcast. We're getting back into it again after doing like, I don't know, six or seven episodes last year and then like kind of dying off after I started the abandoned series for some reason. But I'm excited to be here again with a longtime contributor and friend of the Frame Voyager community and channel. Tim Butner, welcome again.
1: (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me Um, back on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, remind everyone again, um, what is it you do, what is it you've had experience in, and uh, why do you like talking about cameras so much?
1: So I'm a multi-hyphenate. I'm a cinematographer, colorist, uh, editor, writer, director, producer, you know, editor, all all the different hyphenates. So I work freelance doing a lot of different video work in, you know, my region combined with traveling
0: and yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you're, uh, I know, a frequent, um, I would say contributor or would troll be the right comment in the black magic forums?
1: (laughs) I would say, I don't think I would call myself a troll. Um, I, I like to stir the pot. Like, you know, like, Obviously, the most recent thing I did was with everyone like, ooh, new camera amount coming, I decided to have my fun with the, hey, Blackmagic coffee cinema camera. You know, like, when's it going to brew our coffee or when's it going to run off coffee? And, like, it gets everyone (laughs) going. And, like, like, not only that, like, John Brawley, you know... He gets involved himself and goes, oh, you know, Melbourne, home of black magic, Melbourne, home of the self-appointed coffee, biggest drinking snobs in the world. So even he gets in and has <laughs> fun with it. So
0: that's that's good to see. That's good to see the B-Raw man himself um, uh having a little bit of fun because I know <laughs> Uh sometimes I know with interactions I've had with him, he's a. Uh, um, doesn't necessarily like some of <laughs> my humor or uh, takes and content, which is fine. I respect the man. He does. He's done a lot with um, for um, cinematography and even for Black Magic. Um, and being like they're pretty much main alpha tester since the beginning of time. It seems like. Um, but yeah, that's that's hilarious. I love that coffee pot meme. Um, uh, it that's but that's just what makes the upcoming up NAB so special. It is a time of just. Like It's like a candy shop for uh, um, cinematographers and filmmakers and video people and audio files and all that. Everyone's there from Sony, Blackmagic, Aerie, everyone. And you can go up to the booths and talk with them and play with cameras that you only wish you could pay for at some point in your life. Um, But it also leads to tons of speculation because a lot of people and a lot of companies like to unveil their secret special new projects or cameras or gear or whatever at NAB. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit. Cause we do know a little bit of some things that are going to be brought to, uh, the, the front in, uh, at NAB. And, uh, I know you were talking about one of them. I know Canon has some, uh, new lenses. You were saying that they're, they're yeah. bringing to NAB.
1: Yeah. So they just announced some new, uh, super 35 cinema lenses. They're actually pretty fast for cinema zooms that, T1.7, which is fast because normally in the range that they are, you're usually talking about T2.8. So there's the 14 to 35, and then there's the 31.5 millimeter to 95 millimeter. Yeah, I know. It's a a weird, like, why not just go 32? Either 30 or 32. Why the 1.5?
0: And then just say added feature. It goes back another (laughs) 0.5. Yeah. (laughs) I mean...
1: Either way, like it's still a decent zoom range for especially the speed, the interchangeable lens mount, which is nice because you have EF, so they haven't abandoned EF fully on the cinema side, and PL, and they have PL-i technology, as well as a 4-pin LEMO for extra metadata for virtual production, and then, of course, I think there's still also the Canon EF connectors when you use the EF mount for you know the uh, lens data there.
0: That's so fascinating that, because I thought they were just, I thought they were done with making EF lenses like at all, but these are, or would you say these are more broadcast lenses if, if I remember correctly, or are they just all purpose? They're, the would...
1: they're more cinema zooms. I think the OF is primarily going to be for still photography, as well as some of the other cinema and cameras that really utilize autofocus, such as the uh, C70 and the new uh, well, I don't know if I can still say it's new, but the R5C, <laughs> um, I don't know, what what year is it? <laughs> so like, again, like the C70, <laughs> which is RF mount and you can put a PL adapter on it. And then of course, you know, obviously, you know, the C300 Mark two is still EF mount and the C500 Mark two, that's two still, uh, is uh, EF and they both can be PL- mounted as well
0: hmm. that i mean that's gonna be interesting to see i guess as far as lenses um that's just an interesting set of lenses to be released by canon which maybe also plays into the fact maybe they're trying to get more into the cinema game because uh, i know they really don't have too many offerings on it but i know there's been a lot of patent like things that people found online like i don't know if it's uh canon rumors or some other people that have like dredged up stuff every year. That's the same thing. Like, oh, they're making a box cinema camera, which that's been a rumor for like the past two years. I saw that circulate again this year. I'm like, man, I made a video about that two years ago and they still haven't done anything with it. But what we do know Canon is unveiling at NAB is the MS500, which is a um, one inch SPAD sensor, which I'm trying to remember, it's. A, I think this is one of the ones that there it's like a very low light sensor, and the one I think I remember reading that it's like it can see in the dark kind of um <laughs> sensors that they build it as. Um, and I'm trying to basically, I here's an article on it that Pro Video Coalition did. Um, it says basically it's still in development, it will be displayed as a reference exhibit at the Canon booth, so who knows if it actually will come out. It is in the box form, at least the the images were being shown here that look similar to the patents that Canon had. So maybe this is what it was for, but it's not a cinema US camera, but it's designed to be used as a broadcast lenses that feature high performance at telephoto range, focal lengths with its unique SPAD sensor, a mix that takes MS 500 a step further than previous models. Uh, They're billing it as the world's first ultra high sensitivity ILC equipped with an SPAD sensor, which I'm gonna look up. it's still a CMOS sen- well, no, it's not a CMOS sensor. So, I'll, like, uh, give me some thoughts about that. I'm gonna look up real quick. What? Yeah. Uh,
1: it's it definitely it's definitely broadcast range. It definitely says in the new shooter release, which I have up as well. You know, applications such as nature and wildlife documentaries. Uh, you know, uh, high precision monitoring environments uh, such as uh, national borders, space seas- uh airports, train stations, power plants. Uh, so, like, it sounds like a security camera kind of uh, you mm-hmm. know sensor that is good for those applications, which I can understand. Like, you know, we want you know. Let's face it, we've got yottabytes worth of security you know, files going on now with the amount of footage that's captured all over. So it makes sense. You want a little higher resolution, better fidelity. So that way, you know, like, oh, zoom and enhance. And so you can actually see what the heck the person looks like. Because let's face it, the biggest, you know, lie in Hollywood productions is the zoom and enhance thing in all those cop shows. Because no, you really can't zoom (laughs) and enhance to this level that they do.
0: No. And I know um, uh, Corridor Crew did, like, a nice little thing about showing how ridiculous it was trying to do that. Though I will say with AI reconstruction, you might be able to do that at some point. But definitely not with any techniques we have now. No, no. Um, so SPAD love- sensor. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say I love the Corridor Crew, especially because it's like, wait, they, like, shift camera angles here in one of them. It's like, <laughs> this makes no sense. Like, cause I, I, it's just, it's hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, yeah. The, AI might be an interesting tool though,
0: for sure. Oh yeah. So here's a, a YM cinema kind of dives into an SPAD sensor that, um, Canon has developed. Um, they basically said this was published by Canon until rest recently. It was considered difficult to create a high pixel count SPAD sensor on each pixel, the sensing site. Okay. Basically the, just to sum up this, it's, it's kind of similar to a CM CMOS sensor. um, Um, it's like a single SPAD stands for single photon avalanche diode and it operates on different principles. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see what that is. It's very technical. So we won't really get into that. Maybe we'll do that in another video if this becomes a little bit more interesting, but it, it, you're all right. It does seem like this is going to be used for some kind of like long range night vision capabilities for security things because it's only a 3.2 megapixel sensor, um, but that 3.2 megapixel sensor, um, can record up to let's, oh, where was it, I know they just showed this. Um, I think it was like 3,200, um, frames per second is what I saw for this specific sensor, which is pretty high for a, uh, um, a low light uh sensor for 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 this so eh, yeah probably nothing like the cinema world's gonna worry about but i mean hey hey, you never know you might be able to see this in some news stuff eventually um because of the high frame capabilities
1: Found footage or actual security cam footage in a movie you could utilize it it could be beneficial True. in those applications because, I mean, again, I worked on Wild Man where we did found footage and we were using GoPros for the security cameras because it was better than an actual security camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, let's face it, it's I, I I don't know why you would need to use it for a security camera footage in a movie when most of the time they use real cameras like to fake it.
0: But. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna make a little correction. It's actually twenty four thousand frames per second. Okay, not thirty two hundred. So that's it's really fast. But you're right. Look, good found footage, and I would say that uh, this camera probably, if you would, to put it out in the woods in the middle of the night, and if Bigfoot is real, out there you're not going to get the stupid shaky cam stuff. You're going to be able to see Bigfoot so in um, 24,000 frames per second. Yeah. Um, so, and so then, actually, and you know, like, you crew
1: could... can actually go through and say, no, that's a guy in a suit. That is totally, we can tell, especially. When... <laughs> that
0: was awesome. Uh, um, moving on from Canon. So I think that's about it from what I've seen from Canon. I know there's like some other people are calling from some other things, but I don't really see too much other...
1: I saw a other bunch of firmware
0: updates, which,
1: you know, like, generally just... Boring. Yeah. It's... <laughs> like, <laughs> improvements to autofocus, sure, fine. You know, like, I'm, I'm always fine with making those types of improvements and just, like, all the other stuff that they're
0: doing, but, like... mm mm-hmm. Not anything interesting. I mean, other than
1: the uh, new shutter clear scan function for, like, using LED walls and virtual productions. Like, okay, you know, like, so you get better refresh rates in, the you know, as opposed to your shutter speeds, whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's cool. It's always when you see software updates, it's like, you're, like, want to be excited for some stuff, but you're just always kind of like, eh, like or at least when Blackmagic updates software stuff for me, it never applies to any cameras I own. So I'm um, not really excited too much anymore about Blackmagic releases. Mm-hmm. But um, speaking of Blackmagic, it's a decent segue into that. I, um, I will say I think they have something going on, um, especially after their sham of a, <laughs> I'm gonna for saying this, sham of a camera release, which was not really a new camera, in the broadcast camera that they just released, but just a reconfigured camera, I would say, in my opinion, what would you say? Would you say that's a new product or would you just say it's the same as an old product they already had that they just upgraded some features on?
1: I would say it's an upgrade. It falls in that category because it's still using the same body that putting in, I mean, they're basically getting that 6K sensor across the board on a lot of different uh products but you know again they have the broadcast g2 which has that 6k sensor now they've got the uh they pretty much have that new uh studio camera with that 6k sensor as well so you know th- you can use those both that one in the field like you know live broadcast from you know like, you know a stadium or whatever and then like in studio using the studio camera so like and they're matching perfectly sensor wise you know so yeah. that's nice
0: and but- i guess it I guess it does kind of like bring Super 35 to broadcast. It is what the, they call it. For those of you wondering, it's Blackmagic Studio Camera 6K Pro. If you did not see it, I would have done a live stream on our YouTube channel for the release of that, but I was in Israel and it was not very really much in a position to uh, to talk about it while I was out there um, filming. But um, it, it it's interesting. I, I, I have a speculation about it. I'm going to bring up here in just a second. Um, but to kind of get to something Grant Petty said that was very interesting in um, an article here recently, or it was an article, or I'm trying to remember where he said this, but basically the quote is, we're aggressively increasing our investments in new products. But remind me, when's the last time they actually released a new camera? Like, not the 6K G2, because all that is is the 6K Pro without ND filters.
1: So I would say, you know, the Osmo Mini Pro... 12k was Mm -hmm. their big new sensor that they released in july of 2020 so we're you know almost three years coming up in july on that one uh then they had the pocket 6k pro in 2021 which was like march april february period i forget the exact point but you know so like that was kind of an improvement upon the 6K that already existed, but, you know, improving internal NDs and all the uh, other things that they brought to that. So, I don't know. It's really feeling like, you know, with the Broadcast G2, that was really just an upgrade for the Broadcast. So, I would say, Mm -hmm. really, it comes to that 12K.
0: Yeah, so three years ago... Which is fine. I kind of expected to see a new 12K camera with an updated sensor from things they learned from the first iteration. You would expect because I know there were some issues with it. It works. I mean, I have a 12. I have a nurse. I have a nurse, a 12K. It works fine. There's a couple issues with it. It does some weird things sometimes with uh, um, solid state drives where it's like has some media errors. I'm trying to figure out that one. Hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know what. I've seen some other things in the forums about people dealing with that. But I'm still trying to figure out that one. Um, It hasn't had that much of an issue for me lately, but I will say I, I kind of am wondering, and this is the speculation bit before we get into like what I kind of think about what's coming up at NAB with them. I almost wonder if they're going more broadcast and more NLE, like in their business approach and kind of like maybe not pushing the cinema business as much because uh, like, if we're being honest, they don't really make their money from that they make it more from the broadcast side of things i would say um they're they're definitely heavily in
1: the broadcast world because that's where they were before they were ever in the cinema you know they Mm -hmm. had cinema accessories but they mainly did a lot more broadcast gear and hardware as well as the software throughout you know their existence but you know i would say they're gonna stay in the broadcast spectrum and they've definitely been doing a heavy amount of updates there but like when you think about it they announced everything before nab so with nab obviously davinci resolve is going to be a big update and we'll talk about that in a second Mm -hmm. but in terms of the cinema camera i think that they are going to still stick to it i think that you know as he said he's as grant said he's got them investing heavily into their hardware products and making leaps and bounds and they're working on stuff. So I think where I've been very vocal about on the forums, for example, is as much as I love the 12K sensor, it was just a sensor update. There wasn't anything to make me go, if I have the G2, what like, what like is the reason for buying the camera if you already have one of their cameras Other than- Only if uh, you
0: need high resolution. Yeah. Like if you want 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 a camera- Just
1: pure and simple, the new yeah.
0: And I would say the one benefit that that camera has over a lot of different cameras is that at 12K, at 8K, and at 4K, you have full sensor readout. Um, Full sensor and
1: all in RAW. So yes, that's a huge benefit. But otherwise, hardware-wise, there were no other real massive-
0: Oh, same thing. Yeah. So for yeah. me... And honestly, I still think the G2 is better. Well, yeah, because you get, <laughs> Prores. You get ProRes,
1: and yeah. that's kind of essential. I still have so many clients, like, sometimes I'm on a shoot, and the client's just like, I just need you to hand me over the file, and it's, you know, I just need ProRes. I'm not going to work with RAW. Uh, like, you know, the most recent music video, the you know, musician was fine with getting me to hand over the uh, Blackmagic RAW. They edited everything in DaVinci Resolve. Uh, so they can handle it. But, you know, like, and I do find it funny, like, we also had, because my Pocket 6K Pro, after the tumble it took last year, is still having its uh, issues, so I have to send it in for more repairs still. But, uh, so I had to stop using it on the second day, and we had to use my buddy's C300 Mark II, and the musician was kind of (laughs) complaining about, like, the C300 doesn't look as cinematic. So... Oh, no. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've shot with both, you know, interchangeably enough where like I can make the footage match. I'm a good enough colorist to do it. But, you know, I can understand like Canon kind of does have a more corporate look to it sometimes. Whereas, yeah, oh, yeah. Blackmagic has that more airy kind of cinema look to the way that the footage naturally looks. But you can still make either camera look a certain way. But nonetheless oh, for sure. The improvements I want are ergonomic. I want more ports. Specifically, I want to cut out some of the cabling that I have to deal with on set. Like if I'm running a D-tap to Limo for the, you know, lens motors all the way to the back to the battery, I really hate that cuz I'm then using bongo ties to, you know, wrangle cables and all that. So if they have like just a port at the front where that uh high rose port is right now on the camera. If you instead put a limo port for motors, I would be much happier cause then if you could have it the motors are then again powered via the camera through that port and maybe adding something like, you know, calibration through the camera and communication where you can also do lens profiles. So then, you know, if it is a fully manual lens, instead of having the data coming through the lens, you can actually calibrate through the motors all the information you need to in camera, then having that feed to the file that goes to DaVinci Resolve. And then maybe you can do some lens profiles in Resolve where then guess what? Oh. Hey, I can make lens corrections, but I also have a lens profile.
0: Yep. So that
1: there's stuff like that uh, that I yeah. want.
0: Oh yeah, and I—that's why I'm just—I'm wondering, and I think that's where it comes into my predictions for NAB for Blackmagic would be. Um, I have been reached; they did reach out to me to come and do. Um, I already have a meeting scheduled with them. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. After saying this, but. Um, they do want to do show me around and then have someone and do an interview or at least have me ask questions and film it or whatever. Um, and I'll tell you last year, I didn't have them reach out to me prior. I had to actually like find someone to get in contact with. Maybe I'm more well-known now. I probably actually am way more well-known than I was the last time I went to NAB, but still being said, it's interesting that they're reaching out, getting things set up for that. Now there's been some other people I've heard about them trying to, um, um, Either get to work on the floor or to get to come and film stuff there i I from other creators in the YouTube space and stuff, I think that um I think it's gonna be some kind of resolve update. I think it's gonna be some kind of cloud update in that kind of sense. I do not see. Um, and I got burned last year for my predictions for what was gonna come from Blackmagic. But I think, and with, with now a little bit more information and some years have gone by since they've actually really released a new camera, like a legitimate new camera, I would say I, I do not think they're going to release a camera at NAB this year. And I'm very skeptical on whether or not they will release a camera for the rest of the year. Even though Grant Petty says they're aggressively increasing their investments in new products there's things that they could be doing to match up with other companies like ZCam and some of the others in the same space. And I just, I don't know how interested they are at this point in continuing. I think they're just happy with where they're at with the cinema stuff. And maybe they have some stuff in development. I could be totally wrong. They could have some stuff in development that they're working on. That's crazy. Good. That's just taking a long time to develop, but Who knows?
1: Well, again, like you mentioned the cloud, and I think they've been pushing with Resolve everything they're doing in the cloud space. They could be developing their own camera to cloud system for Resolve specifically with the Blackmagic cameras so that you could have more seamless integration with regards to that entire proxy kind of you know, generated in-camera while you're internally recording RAW. So, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people have asked for for a long time, like the simultaneous, we want, you know, to be recording the RAW and as well have proxy recording at the same time in-camera because, like, a lot of other camera manufacturers do indeed do that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, then also redundancy media recording is, you know, if you have dual card slots, sometimes, you know, like even though I haven't had any real massive issues except for the Pocket 6K Pro currently just freezing up on me. With my Ursa Mini Pro, I've never had an issue with, you know, media, which, you know, knock on wood kind of thing. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, on an Aerie, sometimes you want that redundancy recording with the Canons, with the Reds. You want that redundancy recording of having another card again, you know, the raw file again recorded at the same time. So... That something they can do to develop in-camera proxy recording at the same time and at the same time uploading to the cloud would for you know your editor to start working already at the same time.
0: Yeah, and I would say that they're they're a little bit behind on that because I would say in this I do not say this lightly because I, most people would know my opinions and views on Red. I totally respect them for their products. Red's got them beat so far in that cloud camera to cloud thing. I mean, they're integrating it into their cameras They're They are even like at NAB, they're going to be showing their red connect module for eight K live cinematic streaming. Red's kind of coming up with some stuff that I've kind of wondered, like what's their game? Where are they going to get involved in some more stuff besides cinema cameras? Cause they have to, to keep up with a camera company like Blackmagic at some point. That's my question is like black. They, they, they released this cloud update. They've had a year or more at this point to kind of refine it and do it. Is this the moment where maybe we do see some kind of black magic iteration of camera to cloud that we see frame IO using? Um, And I know the big problem when I was at NAB last year, I asked this of Atomos and I asked this at frame IO's booth. Granted, I uh did walk into a little bit of the Hornet's nest with uh the the, the beef between Atomos, a former who was founded by a former black magic employee who was also sued by Grand Petty, um, for going and asking something black magic related. I no ill intent, but they were very nervous to answer my question about like, okay, say I want to get one of your things and I wanna transfer my black magic files to, you know, do the same thing that you're doing with other cameras with any other cameras, with your things, because they have the thing where you connect it into their external recorders and it goes to the cloud, to IO with their their system. Um, but the problem is, is with how Blackmagic has their their uh, external video settings at which is only at 8-bit, and everything else that they're using is 10-bit. And also file structure problems, which would make it very hard to actually reconnect proxies that they would record like that to be uploaded to frame.io at a later date so kudos to them that was both answers from frame.io and atomos on it makes sense um because i actually hadn't thought about that even though that is a limitation that they have on some of the pocket cameras and then even the sdi stuff from the ursa g2 so i would love to see uh an update where some of the cameras you can have some better external options if if they're not gonna if they're not going to give me cloud control which they totally should They should have some better options um, for it, in my opinion.
1: I mean, remember, they also have their video assists, which record externally from other people's cameras, and those also get Blackmagic RAW recording. So, I mean, there could be an update there coming out with that also, maybe more wireless type of features where you get that. In, you know, the Video Assist, you get the proxy recording, which then simultaneously uploads it to, you know, maybe Frame.io or, you know, Mm -hmm. the Blackmagic Cloud. Probably more Blackmagic Cloud because it seems like they're going more, you know, integrated internally in their own ecosystem, uh, which I don't blame them for. Like, that's fine. I mean, it'd be nice for them to play well with everyone so like you could choose you know i'm always for choice where it's like okay i want to use frame io for this purpose but i would like to use black magic cloud for this purpose you know like th- yeah. th- it is nice to have or options. even premiere
0: pro for that person purpose too like i i get that they have davinci resolve um it's going to be interesting to see in the professional world i and i know a lot of people are using davinci resolve but i also know there's a lot of projects and i am I'm definitely not one to jump ship from NLEs very quickly because I get so ingrained and my editing is very ingrained in thousands of plugins and tons of like custom key, like keystrokes and crap that I have set up on multiple stream decks and loop decks and all that crap. But I understand why people are moving to DaVinci Resolve. The problem is I have not really seen like other like project based stuff in corporate companies and in other forms move to DaVinci Resolve yet, which makes it hard sometimes to transition to that because if you're working in those file bases, it's not like you can just send them, like you can convert it to a Premiere profile and send it with all the files, you know? True. Um, I, I, I mean, a you client can, last but year, like. Yeah I, yeah.
1: I had a client last year where like, you know, it was a very quick turnaround type of thing, but like. I'm all in on Resolve. I don't pay for, you know, I'm only paying for one thing from Adobe and that's the photography package, which Mm. is Lightroom and Photoshop. But, you know, like they sent a Premiere Pro template for their, you know, lower thirds graphics. And I'm just like, I can't use this. I have to contact a friend who still has Premiere and say, hey, I need you to generate these yeah, lower thirds graphics and export alpha with it and of course the ironic thing is then that person's like I don't know how do you export alpha and I'm just like really Ugh. I mean oh
0: that person doesn't know how to export alpha from Premiere Pro
1: yeah that, that was a question about like how do you how have you not done this at all in the last so
0: he just hasn't has done any graphics then but I was yeah. gonna say like I, I like it's really easy I mean, you know it's like it's not that complicated to export it's an alpha
1: not. From and I, Pro. you know I've been doing it since like I forget when, probably, you know, I was in high school when I first exported the first thing I ever exported with Alpha. But, you know, like, Mm -hmm. again, like, you know, in terms of the spectrum of everything for NLEs, in the last 20 years, I've gone, you know, I started Premiere, I went to Final Cut, and I was using After Effects while using Final Cut, then I went to... Premiere again after the Final Cut X debacle in 2011. So then I was in Premiere for the longest time, but I was color grading in Resolve. And then, you know, it just for me was a common sense of, I just want to get rid of in my own workflow, the whole, you know, making proxies in Resolve to go edit in Premiere, to then go back to Resolve, to color grade, to go back to Premiere for finishing. You know, just cutting out Premiere just meant that I just was in one program all together and it just turned out that Premiere kind of started really getting crappy for people and then like you know a buggy more so or, you know kind of laggy and then Resolve just really massively improved
0: yep I think Adobe is definitely doing some soul searching at this point because I've seen a lot of people that have actually gone over to them and had like a conference with them where they listen to actual editors um and content creators on like what their issues are with it so I'm um, that's that's my thing where it's like hard for me to jump ship sometimes because I, I I know that it is only a matter of maybe like a couple of years or something before we see another jump to another video platform, whoever's doing best. Um, I think hopefully this will wake up Premiere a little bit. I like using Premiere just because I'm so ingrained in it and it would be very hard for me to move my, I mean, and you know, I'm a big audio guy. So like, I have a lot of stuff within a d- audition I've paid for, like, you know, probably like like thousands of dollars, like in assets and 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 plugins and all this stuff that I've acquired over the years that work within Premiere Pro and its other things. So it just makes it hard. But I know everyone's trying to get me to to go over. It. But I, I'm prom- when I go to NAB, I will promise everyone I'm definitely gonna ask Adobe some questions and say like, look, I use your stuff, but like please like fix some of this stuff for me. Um, so I will try to bring some of that to our content while we're there. Moving on though cuz I know we've spent a lot of time on black magic which makes sense we're both very heavy black magic users. Um who else? Let's let's talk about let's talk about Nikon. Oh um, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I see think...
1: a, a specter of death around them. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I mean they might have some stuff. I think that maybe they'll have uh, look, I I am a big fan of Nikon for sticking it to red and going at them with that, that lawsuit. I don't think they're going to win the lawsuit against um, the, the, uh, the patent thing or whatever, and get that dismissed. I, I question their long-term longevity because I know the Z nine is an interesting camera, but I have still yet to see actual cinematographers use the Z nine For actual filmmaking, which is what the Z9 was trying to do to keep up with Canon and Sony. I mean, have you seen anyone really use the Z9 for anything? I mean, the only thing I ever
1: see is like a few still photographers who are still clinging on to Nikon. And like, listen, they've done a good job with their mirrorless mount and going to mirrorless. So they're doing fine there. However, I see a lot more still photographers primarily using Sony or Canon uh, I just rarely see Nikon users. They, they show up every once in a while, but, uh, you know, in terms of video, I almost never see anyone using Nikon though. It's like, you know, not really someone's choice.
0: No. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard when you have so many other features and I feel like even a photographer and, um, like photographers still have to do video at this point, I feel like a lot of times nowadays. There's not as many pure photographers out there, I would say, anymore because I think you do have to like do a little bit of a hybrid approach unless you're just an excellent photographer
1: I could be wrong unless you're the the, top elite photographers like who are just so well established now no uh, I just had a mm -hmm. photographer reach out to me and say hey can I come over and like you know just pick your brain on video for a bit because like I have to transition and so I had him come over and like I went over different things and he was just like you know wide-eyed like holy crap like I did not realize there was so much that is different, like, you know, in terms of what is entailed in video, but it is so essential now, especially, you know, I, you know, I go and do some kind of a photo shoot, and they're like, well, you, you got to do the video stuff where we're showing like, you know, like the video. And then we do the still photo afterwards for the reels, for the Instagram reels and for the TikToks and, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, that's where the game is now. It's TikTok and instagram reels and you know just the social media stuff where like even on instagram they've very steadily moved away from photo based to more real based and you need it to be more video centric
0: yeah no for sure uh, it's 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 gonna be interesting to see what happens with them i know that some of their things that they have along with canon and some other um uh imaging sensor companies is the fact that they do have some manufacturing prospects. Because um, I've seen um, with some of my other corporate work than manufacturing space, I've seen um, Nikon there and they have some pretty good deals with other companies. But I wonder maybe not if the company will die, but maybe if they're like forward facing, um, uh, like prosumer cameras will. I just don't, I just, there's better options out there. That are have much much more flexibility and all of that. Um, but I will be interested to see what they have at NAB. But I think I will could I mean I think I could be talking about potentially the um doing a video on an abandoned Nikon Z9 camera uh in the near future based on like some things I'm seeing. I just maybe they maybe they pull it out a little bit longer, but I, I don't I don't see longevity for them in the consumer market.
1: It's, it's a tougher market these days, and, you know, like, you do need the more hybrid approach, especially, you know, Sony's done it, and Sony has their cinema line of cameras, you know, the Sony Venice 2 is an incredible camera, but then, you know, like, I have so many friends who are now like, oh, I just got the FX6, or I just got the FX3, or even I just saw someone with FX30, and it's like, you know, like, they're good cameras, and yet... Everything works still where you can still use the Sony A7s, you know, like the A7 R5 that they've just come out with. I think it was the R5 that, I, you know what, I can't even keep track anymore. Uh, you know, they literally have so much. And then Canon, again, has a ton in their lineup with not just the still photography side, but they also have that, you know, cinema camera lineup locked in.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's. It's. I think that's gonna be an interesting one to see. Um. And uh, I, honestly, like, part of me hopes that it's for content's sake. I don't want to see like any camera company like fade into the background. But I mean, for content, it'd be kind of fun to tell the story of. I I
1: mean, I'm all for choice. (laughs) I love having choice. It's great because, you know, But the hardest thing is with the choice, like, you know, whenever I'm asked, like, you know, part of the reason I was advising someone against buying a Canon at some point last year or two years ago was I was like, well, right now, like they're going to RF mount and there's just not a lot of RF lenses and they're not allowing third party manufacturers from doing it. Sony, there's a lot more Sony E-mount lenses. There's more third party manufactured E-mount lenses. Now, yes, you can adapt the EF lenses to ORF mount, but like you're in a weird spectrum with mirrorless now. And the same thing with Nikon. Like, you know, they have their Nikon mount, but they have to adapt all those old lenses that they have to, you know, be the new mirrorless Nikon mount and then come out with their own new mirrorless lenses. So yeah, it's, it's a weird spectrum of Time for it's a weird era, specifically for manufacturing of both the cameras and the lenses, with the cinema realm being the only exception because PL is still very strong, even though we have LPL now.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, uh, I agree. It's be interesting to see kind of, and I do like the extra choice, like you were saying before. Um, just having more choices available in the market and I like having extra companies because it does push everyone around the market um but yeah we'll see we'll see how it happens we'll we'll see what happens with that situation um coming in the coming years um let me think what else can we talk about before we make some predictions um who else is doing um ikigami's i mean this is like I don't know how interesting this is. Ikigami releasing a couple new cameras at NAB broadcast cameras. Probably. Um, Do you think we're going to see, I don't think we're going to see the Foveon sensor that um, freaking Sigma has been working on for what a decade at this point. Uh, maybe not a decade, but like it, I mean, it feels like they've been talking about this camera and it's, like the potentials of it forever.
1: It's possible. I mean, it, I don't know what, it's tough to say what Sigma's doing because, like, with the Sigma FP, even, like I don't even know what's gone on there. That seems to have been a bit of a dud at this point. It's so, like, what the whether they're going to announce that new sensor is a good question, but I mean, at least they've got a roadmap and they're talking about, like, well, we're working on, you know, updating all lenses. So, on the lens lineup, I see, like, they just for the still photography side, they at least came out with the new E mount and, uh, L mount, uh, 50 millimeter, uh, one four, which was nice. And they also just came out with their new contemporary lenses. Uh, so I think maybe I, on the cinema side, I would like to see them kind of improve those cinema zooms that they have because they've, they've got nice cinema primes and like, as much as like, yes, like they're clinically sharp and they are nice. I, there's aspects of the 50 to 100. I do not like the focus breathing is abysmal. And then, um, mm-hmm you know the 18 to 35 is decent but i feel like they need to get a little bit more cinema zooms out of sigma and then you know they talked about like uh, even for the e mount they want to get like a 70 to 200 but they're thinking of like maybe doing something like dip slightly different like maybe a 75 to 250 or something like that like they so they they're trying to not just do the standard lenses that we know but again on the Camera side, I'm hearing nothing, and I'm not hearing anything about that sensor either.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I just don't. I don't really think there's going to be much there with that. It'll be interesting if we do see it at NAB with Sigma. I will definitely be sure to note it. Now, one one more company I do want to talk about um, before we get there at um, before we get to some predictions is the DJI Ronin. 4D Flex, I will say I do have in my possession a Ronin 4D that DJI sent to me for research purposes that I have used on some projects. And I have to say, it is a very fun camera to use. It is very well built. Love it. And I know some people will say in the video that I'm trashing DJI. I have been called um, racist against China or I guess xenophobe for implying that they might go abandoned, which is not the case because I actually very much support their work. And I think it's stupid that the US government is going after them like TikTok, like the TikTok thing beyond stupid. It's just, it's for other reasons, nothing to do with the two companies. Um, so no, I'm not that uh, just <laughs> just to address that since I've been called that. Um, it just fit with the data because it's a very niche camera. It still is even after the 40 flex came out. Cause it didn't really do much to change the camera. It just added some cool new features, but it still didn't do anything with the limitations and some of the other political crap that they have to deal with. That being said, I I will make, I do want to make it known. I really want this camera to survive. I don't want it to be abandoned. As I said in the video, like I like the camera. Um, but what what do you think? What do you think? Have you so what do you think about it? First off, I do
1: have a friend who recently was like, "Oh, I, I want to get this run in four D." What what are your thoughts? And like, so they inquired for me, and of course I shared you a video because I was like, "Well, you know, first off, you know, there's the prediction that it could be abandoned, but they added so much mm-hmm. cool stuff to it. It's very awesome. All the new tech that they put into it." It's just like yeah, mm-hmm. it is extremely niche. You know, it's it's one of those cameras where it's like you know if you're gonna use it, you're gonna use it for very specific purposes. It's not an all around like you know general purpose camera that you're gonna use. Like you know like if I'm just sitting down to do a corporate interview, that's not really the camera. Not gonna use it. It's not. And like
0: you well, know, you don't have we well, yeah. And I mean, you could put look, you could put big lenses on it, but you got to lock it off, and it's a, it's gonna be. It's not necessarily easy to do that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, it, um, it now has I, really I, I cool was,
1: autofocus. Yeah. It had like, the the built-in wireless video autofocus is, and even just, like, not even just, uh, so I was having a conversation with an AC recently at a party where it was, like, you know, like, well, you know, I think what they've done is really interesting because we were talking about AI and, like, what they've got in there is essentially AI, you know, guidance tools where it can help you you know, it will do like some slight autofocus for you, but you will still have manual control of the focus. And so, like, but it's guiding you, it's helping you. And that I think is a mm-hmm. really incredible, awesome tool set that they've built into it. However, like, you know, they just need to find a way to get that out there to other cameras so that you could use it on a Red or an Airy or a Sony or a Canon or, you know, a Black or- Magic.
0: Or like I suggested in my video, um, maybe make a detachable sensor block that also connects to a like a normal camera that you can also reattach to a Ronin 4D body, so that way you have some options like. They, they could technically, like, there's nothing stopping them from creating a normal camera body to attach and then having it so you can detach the sensor, much like the Sony Rialto, and attach it to something like the Ronin 4D or in this sense a 4D Flex. I think that's the way to go in the future, so that way you can have the ability to attach act- like cine lenses, like big cine lenses, other lenses that you do need for certain work. Um, no, but I will say the autofocus system, that LIDAR system, even if you don't use the LIDAR system for autofocus, it is so helpful to see a line and see your subjects like, like seen by the camera. And you can just like roll focus to that. And it shows you where each person is. And it's, it's, it's very fun to use ergonomically. Like you don't have to touch anything. You keep it like on two joystick sides of the camera and you can function everything on the camera. Um, very easy for, I would say. It would make sense for those to be used in a, um, uh, shall I say, a, like, I, I would say I film, like, almost HGTV, direct like, uh, discovery channels type shows on with certain clients about manufacturing and different things. Kind of hard to explain what it looks like, but it is that kind of, like, walk around with people do interviews while they're walking and talking it's very easy to use for run and gun work that you don't have a lot of time to shoot do you know what i would love Um, to see
1: even though i'm not a big fan mm. of reality tv i'm not i don't watch it i think that's a great purpose for that camera like throw it in the reality tv situation i bet you that could be really cool and interesting
0: it could. I mean, for certain shots, yes. So, no, no, I know. Zoom. And they do have some new zoom lenses, I think they came out with that could make it very interesting. But, you know, use it on the freaking Bachelor because that show, which my wife loves um, or used to love, um, I shouldn't watch it more, thankfully. Um, but it has a stupid, like, they're all the cameras are always shaking. They're always, like, freaking messy videoing because they're running around trying to keep up with these crazy contestants. Um, that'd be a great, that'd be a great purpose for it. And give me some nice clean cut stuff. I will say I didn't realize it actually does have, I actually knew this, but I forgot until I was actually filming with it. It does have two native ISOs. Um, and it does really well in low light, um, in the tests cool. I've done with it. So, um great great thing but yeah again hope it doesn't hope it doesn't get abandoned but i still think it's a uh i still think it's a niche camera though dji is going to try to prove me wrong we are working on a video with them on the history of it what went into building it all kind of stuff like that so we actually might be interviewing them at nab for that but uh to be determined we should have a video on them here soon
1: well i look forward um, to seeing that video it but- We'll be good. Uh, I'm just going to give you a heads up. I have a battery indicator on uh, the camera for my mic, so I'm just going to switch out that battery quickly. So just give me a moment here. Okay.
0: No problem. So, uh, nope. The cables. Uh,
1: fun of these devices. Uh All right. I am good. All right. Awesome. Nice and quick okay. and fast.
0: Um well, let's see what else should we talk about? I think I think that's about it I have for companies or anything interesting that's happening at, in NAB. I'm sure there's going to be look, I I know a lot of you light enthusiasts out there are going to be so freaking um excited and or and even upset with the fact that we did not talk about um and this is now blo- like going aperture lighting i don't know why i wasn't thinking that and then light i'm sorry those companies I, I they're releasing more stuff they release stuff at such a high rate I don't even care that they're releasing a new light because I don't even know, understand like what they're even releasing because by the time they release one light, they've already released a new update for it. I mean, how many lights did they release last year?
1: I I lost track of the number of lights they released (laughs) last year. It was just like. It's at this point where like, you know, I, I, you know, I started doing the. Oh, I'm just gonna do the pre-order and then like get the credit card debt, on And be like, oh shoot, I didn't, I forgot that I pre-ordered the 720 bi-color. How many times have I used the light in last year? Whoops, not that much. Like on page shoots, I didn't use it as much as I was thinking I would, and I'm kind of like eating at myself for doing that to myself for the credit card debt. But at the same time, I love the light, and like I'm happy they came out with the new 300 bi-color Mark IIs. But, you know, like I still mm-hmm. have the Mark 1 and it's like, you know, as much of an improvement, I'm not going to race out to buy the Mark 2s when I already have the Mark 1. And it's just, it's, the landscape's changing so fast and rapidly. It's making it, I'm like, what is the point of investing in these lights? Like, unless you are really making your money back and you're renting the lights constantly, it's daunting to try and be keeping up with the Joneses situation of getting all these lights because it's... It's chumps.
0: Yeah. Well, and I would assume most people don't need the, like all the lights. Like, I mean, I, I tried to keep up for a while and it's just like, okay, I mean, it's great. You're releasing just like light after light after light. I think their new thing for this year that I've seen is that they're doing something with like um light actual light bulbs or something for to be able to control some of the ambient lighting and stuff, which is pretty cool. That actually is helpful for I would say if for corporate filming. If you're able to make sure that all the lights and lamps and crap inside wherever you end up, you just bring a couple of those, put them inside so you can keep all the background the same, but keep the color balance the same across the board or the white balance, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's
1: really nice. And I, you know, because I have the Pulver bulb uh, and then like Aperture has their little bulb lights, too. And we've used them on shoots where it's nice and especially like, you know, like triggering, okay, we want to, you know, trigger this light at a certain time. Like, you know, like, okay, she's going to be hitting the light switch. So, we, you know, like, you know, I've done that on like a musical where it's fun and great that you have that control, but like, yeah, like it's, it's tough. Like, cause like we just have it rapidly happening so fast that it's like, wait, is this light already obsolete?
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. It's, Uh, it'll be interesting I'll definitely cover any lights we see I'm trying to figure out currently if I want to do a video that is like all encompassing so it's like an hour and a half long of just all the the coverage that I got at NAB Um, but we'll figure that out I'm probably doing a couple different things but I'm definitely covering or um, getting some interviews with some companies that I think might be abandoned and if you are there at NAB I will be passing around as long as I can get them in time because um, it's, it's getting a little closer than I would like it to be to NAB. I'm going to have some um, abandoned Fran 8K shirts that are just going to be the Fran 8K STD GOAT. And it, that's going to be the T-shirt. So if you would like some goat,
1: <laughs> oh boy, <laughs>
0: greatest of all time, Cinema Fran 8K T-shirts, I will be running around NAB with them for fun. So I'm gonna um, have to
1: tell the friends uh, that I have that are going. I'm gonna have to tell them to get those shirts because, like, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's worth it. Oh man,
0: I mean, I might be doing some limited releases um, after NAB if people end up liking them. So just keep an eye out for that if you're not going.
1: I think I think the other other than lighting, the other companies to talk about are like audio companies and like some of the audio gear that's coming out. Like I love because I got those Diety timecode uh, boxes, the TC ones. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. those are nice. I love them. Like it's a nice alternative to Tentacle Sync, and I've used Tentacle Sync on sets for years now. Uh, you know, so like, I love that we've again these options and I think Diety is about to announce a new product coming up soon. So like, you know, they've got some of the audio devices and I think sound devices might be coming out with some more stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, like, you know, Sanizer, sound devices, yeah. you know,
0: sound DPA, San- maybe DPA has some stuff. I know DPA is a little bit less known. I have kind of switched primarily over to using DPA mics for production stuff from lapel mics and uh, um, even um, um, where is it? Well, Tim can see this, but no one else. The podcast can see this. Um, They're uh, shotgun mics. Now I will say they're very expensive. DPA lapel mics were used on like you know top gun too and stuff so but they're excellent quality and some other interesting things with them that make them very very good to use but uh, it's there's always a plethora of like audio gear to use and we'll definitely try to cover as much of that as we can um if there's anything interesting that comes out
1: yeah i I think Um, we're, we're in an interesting time for all gear right now and this is one of the things where we did mention a little bit of all the cool things that Red's adding to, like, the new Raptors, like the uh, Raptor XL. They've also got, like, built-in timecode wireless syncing in there, essentially, but I'm not, I'm not too familiar with this yet. It's one of those things where, like, you know, I'd have to have a friend who has the money to buy one to even see, mm-hmm. like, w- whether that easily will sync with, like, you know, a sound device's 833 or, you know, whatever type of device cuz like that's a question like you know as cool as that is you know what we need is for all of that communication to be functioning between the companies making the audio gear for recording and the cameras so that it's just seamless
0: yeah good luck with that <laughs> it, this is just you know as much as you wish like every freaking thing worked together it's it's oh, so annoying but okay I think we've kind of covered our bases with it. I mean, Sony's going to be there. There's going to be, I mean, red's going to be there. I think we touched on red a little bit. It's going to be what it is. Um, Small rig will be there. Small rig has invited me over to their booth. Um, everyone's favorite little, you know, unless you like tilta. Um, but supposedly they have something for me there. I'm not sure whether that will be, but I will definitely share it whenever I get there. Um, I definitely use but, both
1: tilta and Smallwig stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm very yeah. fluid. I'm a, uh, I'm a uh, verse in both. <laughs>
0: awesome. All right. Final thing. Um, any predictions, um, for, uh, NAB 2023.
1: I'm definitely going with, uh, DaVinci resolve 19 is going to be big. Yeah. Um, definitely the cloud integration, but I think there's gonna, I think they're going to involve maybe a little bit more AI features possibly. Uh, I just, I foresee them really upping the game. They're probably going to do like a big update with regards to the iPad for Resolve uh, or the Resolve for the iPad. And I think they're going to do a lot in that area. In terms of hardware, it's tough to say. Like, you know, maybe they'll come out with a new mini panel, like, you know, for, you know, like a between the mini, you know, panel and the, uh, advanced panel because, you know, like you have a $30,000 panel and a two and a half grand panel. So maybe something in between for like slightly more professionals who just, you know, want something more, but otherwise, like it's tough to say on the color side, you know, um, with regards to that, maybe new ultra studios, but it's tough to say what they're going to do other than cameras. And we've covered that already. So. Um, Yeah, pretty much. Aerie, they've kind of hit a lot of what they're doing with the uh, Aerie 35, the new Hi5. They just did a big update for the Hi5 uh, supplement update, you know, in terms of firmware. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd like to see Aerie do a little bit more with lighting. They've kind of acknowledged that they're kind of slightly falling behind other companies, but they they definitely are doing stuff, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, eh. Uh... Yeah, Aerie is airy, always airy at those things. Air, I got to say, as much as I love Aerie, they're definitely one of the more boring booths to go to. They, It's always it's always fun to go talk with them, but uh, because they're so focused on what they're doing, they have no idea what else is going on. Yeah, <laughs> I remember bringing my Ursa G2 there last time, and they were like so interested in the Blackmagic camera because they didn't realize that it had some of the functions and features that it did, because um, they were kind of like snickering at my camera a little bit. But um, I would say for my predictions, I say same as you, I don't think Blackmagic is gonna have a, they're not gonna have a camera release. They're gonna have some kind of like DaVinci Resolve cloud based update, hopefully hopefully, proxy to cloud integration, which would be great, which would be a great addition for everyone. Um, and I would say uh, AI is gonna make some kind of appearance at at probably a very pronounced appearance at this. And I almost wonder, um, if some companies or even major companies will have some kind of AI based thing that they're going to be testing inside some of their cameras, much like you would see with, uh, uh, um, like cell phones or smartphones, essentially with their cameras and AI technology, like how Google, you know, how Google pixel does some other stuff. Be interesting to see if you starts having some computational AI stuff that maybe suggests like, Hey, maybe you should, uh, set these settings for your camera so it'll look better, um, you know, with inside that or or whatever. I think that's something we'll see. I can also think, uh, before I'm even going there, I, I is, I'm hoping they're there because I know they were there last year and I did not get an interview with them, but Bosma, out of left field, Bosma released, um, finally, the Bosma G2, which is this boxy cinema camera, 8K, Bosma 8K G2, I believe. Um, <laughs> That a couple people have, and I think it's oh gosh, what is the price for this camera? Do you know what I'm talking about, Tim?
1: I do. Seen uh, I've positive? seen it. It's just uh, I have to almost pull it up, uh, you know, to look at it because it's been a while. Like it's at this point, I can't keep track of
0: half of the uh, January. They had test footage that came out. Okay, the G two, it is. I know, and this is one just random. It's like a. Ch- I believe it's a. Ch- uh, well, they says they're copyrighted in the USA. And they're in California. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm predicting this one. I think it's. I think it's like twelve, twelve to fifteen thousand dollars or something for this camera, which doesn't make any sense for. Um, there's plenty of AK cameras out there. I would go for before using Bosma. Uh, so I will. I'm probably gonna be doing an interview with them because I'm pretty sure this will be an abandoned camera very soon. I would have picked this one if they had released it um, before. And announced some of the stuff before I made the uh, original one on the DJI Ronin 4D. Because this one fits way more markers. Um, but we will be trying to interview them at NAB. Um, hopefully they'll let me interview them. And uh, don't listen to this Voyager <laughs> ungraded podcast. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's an interesting camera. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to last. It's yeah. so out of left field.
1: So uh, I think in terms of the AI thing, I don't know if you saw the recent thing and it was like, guys, this is not an April Fool's joke because it was posted on April Fool's, ironically, but it was a thing that got shared around a lot, which was the guy who went, he wasn't moving his mouth, but they replaced his mouth and like had him speaking and like had, you know, like it was was the craziest video. Like, so AI wise, I think that's like definitely stuff that's going to, start showing up at NAB like crazy this year. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if video editors. Yeah. I think yeah. Adobe and Blackmagic, and I'm not sure what Avid's going to do because, you know, I, I feel like Avid's kind of like stuck in like the past. Their own to, thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, Adobe's definitely- Openly said that they're embracing AI and they're going to do a lot more with it. They especially kind of just announced their own AI generative uh, kind of tool sets. But, you know, I think in terms of that, whole you know post-production like oh we need to dub this for multiple languages well you can now replace the mouth with making it look like it's saying the actual language instead of it's oh it's just an english person and then over words you know you have someone speaking french and it's not matching up perfectly now you could basically replace and we've seen that video that came out of uh Oh crap! What was the movie? I forget the movie. Uh, uh, the, you know, of the girl who was talking, and they replaced her for. His- and st- yep, replacing yep. the square word that she
0: said great for great for dubbing stuff too and yeah. i mean like you were saying with different languages um i know that they've been playing around with the stuff with like the eyes like will stay with the camera even for like video calls and stuff some of that stuff will make it so easy on contractors in the future for doing corporate work for people who are not used to being on camera if you need to fix things yeah so um I love AI tools. It's going to be good. Hopefully it'll help me live to 300 years like I posted on my Twitter thing. But I don't know. We'll see. But we're going to find all of this out and more at NAB2023. We will be there or I will be there um, running around with Fran8K t-shirts and some other stuff and uh, doing stuff. So don't don't feel shy. Come say hi to me. I know there's some people who said I looked busy last year. Come say hi. Happy to talk with anyone. Um, um, But I'll be there from Sunday to Tuesday night. So should be fun. Looking forward to it. As always, Tim, thanks. Great having you on the podcast to talk some camera talk. And uh, um, uh, yeah, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to give us a a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you might see this. And definitely go subscribe to the Frame Voyager channel if you haven't, as we talk about lots of stuff that people like to give us uh, crap about and tweet about us for. So definitely do that. Talk to you guys next time.
1: Sweet. Awesome. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, I can stop recording my audio now.